I'm at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. This is the 32nd annual CCSAD hosted by C4 Events. This is where I get my hands on the experts and the professionals in the field of addiction and mental health disorders. So you can have more help, more support, more connection to the information that is going to bring your family back from the brink of destruction, from these destructive habits, these destructive patterns. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. The the question that has to come up um, when a parent realizes or has been told that their kid needs treatment. Um, once you get past the, the, the fear and the reaction and the, the emotional part of that is now you have to start to get used to being told no. Um, because your, your kid might be in a hospital for a suicide attempt or they cut themselves really, really badly or they've had an OD or a big meltdown and the cops have shown up and someone says, you need, you need your kid needs long-term long care, long-term treatment. And you know then the parents says, is it gonna be wilderness, is it gonna be a boot camp? And they start doing research on Google. Um, and, and parents don't know what they don't know and they don't know a lot about what they have heard about. And so right now I have I have Jonathan DiCarlo. I met Jonathan DiCarlo a while back by phone because I'm here at CCSAD because of him. Uh, when I called up and said I'd really like to be a podcaster at this event, uh, he's the one who got the ball rolling. And it's it's been amazing. And I know parents, if you've been listening to the shows that, that have come out of this, that the guests that we have had, Ken Seeley, Sarah, who I just spoke with, uh, Robin's story about her daughter on heroin. Like these are the people who are the experts in the industry, who know everything about everything and have spent their lives, their careers on the proverbial 12th step, trying to take the message of hope to people who are still suffering. Well, Jonathan, I like to say, and you've heard me say it before, is one of the big brains. He's one of the people who knows every aspect. We were just talking off mic about this organization in Denver and this organization in Denver and I'm on this board and blah, blah, blah. And Jonathan, you're from, you're from Denver. We, we share the stomp ground. Indeed, my hometown. <laughs> um, I grew up in Longmont, lived in Denver. I, I used to be the head of security at St. Joseph's Hospital uh. way back in the day. Um, and it was while I was at St. Joseph's that I got busted for uh, uh, using drugs. And that began a long process of me using much, much worse than I had before. Um, but anyway, that's, that's just to kind of draw parallels and things like that. Um, so, so I wanna say on the air and publicly, thank you for the opportunity to podcast from here. Uh, this is a really well put together event. Thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate the opportunity and was grateful to connect you with our events and education team to really be a part of this process. And we're really honored and privileged to have providers like yourself who are really have the forethought and investment you know, in the world to bring this kind of service, the podcast, the information and the, and the content for people to really continue to learn how to provide the best care for their loved ones. So, so let's talk about the information piece, because again, it's something that, that what I said off camera is that we have all this information. We go to the conferences, we talk to each other, we hear professional speakers, we get the latest technology and knowledge, and then we take it back to our facilities, train our staff and stuff like that to better benefit families. But you know, my goal for this podcast is that this information goes direct to parent. But 
I'm I'm curious as to why you get into um, coordinating these types of events. What is it about this stuff that that gets you going? About the people who are here and what and what's what's taking place. Really, the simplest answer for me is an incredible passion for the people providing care and wanting them to have the best information, the best practices, the best opportunity to continue to grow. We really believe from a, a health perspective that the healthier the providers are and the more opportunity we can give them to grow professionally and personally, the better their service is going to be to the people that they care for. So it's about how do we change the world? This is our part of doing that, is really giving the providers the opportunity to have the best information, the best uh, opportunity to connect and build collaboration and relationships, and to look at what's the best practice going forward and how do we share that with everyone. You have been involved in the industry of recovery for a long time, and is it okay for me to say in, in what aspect? Sure. Because you said you got sober at 17 after I your did. own treatment program. I did. I got sober at 17. Uh, it's, uh, this past January was 27 years of continuous Congratulations. Sobriety. Thank you, and I got into the helping profession itself 25 years ago, so uh, I didn't get into my recovery and, and have the calling, as many people do. Sure. I fought it tooth and nail and then <laughs> fell in love with it after I got into it and realized what, you know, what the opportunities were. And I had a lot of great mentors uh, and coaches along the way, a lot of great supervisors. And really all I share is the sum of their knowledge and experience combined with what I'm able to, to grow and share with others. So it's really, as you said in the beginning, it's really that 12 step. It's really passing it on. So, so what I love about having you on this show is because you've been a part of this experience for so long and know so many people and have continually put on these amazing events all over the place, internationally, nationally, um, you know a lot of resources. And it's the one thing that when parents are suddenly there, they, they walk in and they catch their kids shooting heroin or, you know, the worst call comes and, you know, it, the bomb drops and explodes the family. And the secret is suddenly uh, uh, bleeding out all over everybody they don't have the resources to handle this level of insanity. You know, you, you just told your kids bipolar and they're 14 years old and now they need this med and that med and you don't even barely know what bipolar is. So let's, let's talk Turkey on resources before we get into any specifics is if the parent is listening to this podcast, they have found a resource. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that a parent is just getting started by hearing this podcast that will be about finding resources, what's going to be your first suggestion of a go-to? What should they do immediately next? The first thing ultimately that they want to do is not go to Google or Bing or any of the search <laughs> engines and go to the internet because there's a wide variety of information. Oh. Some of it is wonderful and some of it is deceiving and misconstruing and, and you can end up feeding a lot of, of those natural fears as a parent, that love that comes out as fear, uh, with information that will only exacerbate the fear. The real question is to look at the resources that someone has for care and then start to navigate those. So rather than go to the internet and go to Google, it's not just to look at your bank account or your checking account, it's to look at your health insurance plan and to get on the phone with the advocates. Every health insurance plan, regardless of what it is, has a group of people that are dedicated, and sometimes they're harder to find, so you might need to go to the internet to get the right number, Okay, but that are dedicated to helping you navigate the resources that those, those health plans include, right? And so finding out what resources are available, because as soon as people start researching, 
you know, conditions and symptoms and treatment, right, they get led to a lot of different information. Some of it's really helpful. Right. Uh, and some of it isn't very helpful. Some of it's misleading, right, when it comes to care. So really understanding what the resources are. Now, every parent in the world is going to say, I would give anything for the best care possible for of my course. child. Of course. Right. So really being able to look at that resource set. Now, that resource set might include your health insurance or a health plan. It might include uh, paying out of pocket for care, uh, for certain types of care that might not be covered. But also look at your community resources. So literally looking at in your daily life, what are the resources that you already have that are in place? Who are the people that have the experience, the knowledge, the expertise, the relationships to help support you as a parent to understand all this information that you're going to go gather to make the best decision possible. Okay, so now let's start with the community resources because at the beginning, the parents know that they that there's some hospital people that their kids directly involved with and, and are calling the parents hopefully more than once a day. There's the cops, there's CPS that the parents don't wanna hear from. And that's about where their concept of resources stops. So when you talk about community resources, and we can use Denver as an example, sure. but but I'm, and, and I'm still wanting to make sure that the parents have the terminology of what to look for when they're looking through a directory that, that is another resource. What are they called? What are these? Because we're, we're talking parents who are, are dealing on an emotional level where their prefrontal cortex is barely online, and now they've got to be resourceful. And survival, the limbic brain, is not a resourceful brain. It does six things and six things very, very well. The prefrontal cortex is very resourceful, but if you're not sleeping, don't know where your kid is, your, your system's Your anxiety offering. levels are through the roof, and you're having you know, the experiences, <laughs> ultimately, that my mother persisted through supporting me with until I right. received care. Uh, then making those decisions is really challenging. So, so what are some examples of some community resources, free and not free? So absolutely, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, you know, the reality is that there are free resources. There are lots of 800 numbers. So in every community, there are 800 numbers for support groups for parents, support groups for uh, young adults and children, right? And so I'll give a very specific example relative sure. to recovery. Every town has an 800 number for the local 12-step recovery programs. So Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, the 12-step programs. Those are wonderful resources. And a lot of people think of the 12-step community as just for people who are, you know, entering recovery, that person that's really struggled and had lots of treatment and, you know, is learning about it. You know, Hollywood has done a good job of introducing and normalizing that. But there's also resources within that for parents. So there are parent support groups that exist in most communities. In Denver, there are a number of them that are resources. And I'll use the personal story. My mother broke open the phone book, found a group called Tough Love, showed up. She shared what she was dealing with with me and her experience as a parent. And they ended up pointing her to Al-Anon. Oh, wow. Right. And so she went there and said, I don't know if I belong here, but this is what's happening. Right. And she just opened up the phone book and, and said, uh, this is what I think I need to do. And, and a resource. And as a result of her participation in Al-Anon, she gained enough health and resources in herself to set some boundaries that ultimately led to me getting care. You know, people, parents don't understand that they, they could walk into any NAAACA meeting and just saying, I don't use, however, this is what's going on at home. Could somebody please help me? And that room would fall over themselves. Absolutely. And it's free. And, and it's available in there in every community. 
And then there are online versions, especially for those that live in rural communities, you know, where some of those opportunities are harder to access or harder to get to. There are online 12-step communities that provide that same level of support. So while I said stay away from the Google looking up conditions, I, I right, the, you know, there's a healthy side to that as well of getting that information and going to those resources. Other resources, especially, uh, say, in, in the, the metro area of Denver, right, the school programs and the school social workers are a number one resource that people sometimes feel intimidated to contact because usually if you're dealing with your school social work department or the school psychology department, it's because there's an established issue. I'm not going to call it a problem, but right, there's right, an established right. need. But those are wonderful resources because they're already plugged in, not just in the school, but they're plugged into the community resources that are a part of your life already. Do what, is that going to, and, and I know I can, I have the parent voice in my head, well, won't that blacklist my son, even not just at, with attitudes? Not at all, right? Another resource that you can use that, uh, again, I use my own personal experience, the school nurse and the school nursing department is one of the most underutilized resources in a school system to be able to connect to care. The person who ultimately helped me get into treatment and navigate the counseling department, which I was well involved with due to my experience, uh, she was the person that I actually built trust in that actually convinced me to go to my mother, to wow. talk to a counselor, to then go home and say, hey, mom, am I still on your health insurance? Because I was, you know, uh, in, a, in a place in my relationship with my, my mother where I wasn't sure where that relationship was. Right. Uh, I knew she loved me, but I wasn't necessarily a part of her life. And that's how I ended up in care was the school nurse. And so I highlight that not just because that was my experience, but again, another one of those resources that's present every day that we don't think of right, for parents to be able to tap into. And it doesn't mean that it ends up on a school record. You're asking and you're calling for information. Chances are if you're seeing these things show up at home, they're showing up, you know, in a child's life in school. And of so course. They're, yeah. they're showing up in other ways. Of course. Right, they're showing up in skipping classes and poor grades and, you know, being in detention and school suspension and those types of things. But even if it hasn't escalated to that point, chances are someone's paying attention and those resources are really there just as information. So even as a parent, you can call a school social worker and say, hey, I want to learn about the resources that are available outside of school. Can you point me to some resources as a parent? Can you point me to some resources for uh, a child in the area? Who would you recommend that I speak to? Um, and, and, and so I'm curious about your, your honest answer to, to my next example. Um, but, but uh, for example, in, in Gloucester, um, you know, the, 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 the police department created the angel program mm -hmm. where as an addict, you could walk in and whether you, you were high or not, or had drugs on you or not, they would not do criminal anything. They would get you into a treatment program and get you the help you need. Um, would you, would you suggest calling the police department and see if they have anything in place? Would you suggest doing that anonymously? Like, like are the police a resource in your mind? Absolutely. More often than not, uh, and I'll use my hometown as an example, uh, because of the number of issues that were happening at the time uh, in my childhood, they had a juvenile aid officer. Huh. Now, his resource wasn't to just be a conduit for those who were underage, who had criminal activity and had charges and were involved with juvenile probation. Right, right. His was also advocacy, right? And so... This juvenile aid officer made it a point to be a resource, and he went out to the public events, and he went to the parent-teacher meetings and spoke to them about what he was there to do. He wasn't there just to keep the community safe by accountability to people who are involved in the system. He was actually there as a resource and said, if you have questions, please call us, right? 
part of keeping the peace is not being in conflict, right? And it's something that in law enforcement gets talked about more lately, but most you know, larger metropolitan areas will have a whole department that's dedicated to juvenile care, right? And so there's someone in that department who specializes in knowing all the resources, not just from the criminal justice end of things. Yeah, my, my second part of the question was, should you do it anonymously? Like, like your, your, your personal opinion on that is, do you call up and just say, listen, I'm not ready to give you my name, but my kid, and I'm just wondering, who can help me? Well, the reality is, is uh, very honestly, unless you mask your cell phone number and call from a Google <laughs> number, they're going to know where you're calling from. It is a new age. I forgot uh, about right? that. And so that, right. there's a reality that I, but truly I would say be authentic and say, I have these real concerns and I'm looking for resources. Can you connect me to the resources that are available? And the likelihood is, is that in most communities, you're going to be met with open arms and they're going to say, yes, how can we help? Because the truth is they don't want to be providing the criminal justice side of things that most law enforcement officers are associated with, putting handcuffs on people, restraining people, bringing them into incarceration, and having them you know, in the court systems, they would rather be involved in deflection rather than diversion. Right. Okay. And there's, and there's a growing movement about that. We have a conference called upcoming in November called the Police Treatment and Community Collaborative that's really focused on this movement of deflection rather than diversion. And it's powerful. And, and what the what the police department has done um, with uh, with that stuff. I mean, I, the whole nation took notice with the angel program. And, exactly. you know, so, so it's a, that's a potent piece. Um, OK, at some point they are going to have to get on Google and and look around. Now, you've you've named a couple terms that I want to read here. So you're talking about one eight hundred numbers. We're talking about hotlines to, to, to Google um, child help hotlines or risky teen hotlines or you know, something's going to pop up. But parents don't think of this. They're saying, you know, boot camp. Right. And, and even though boot camps have been are, are such a. archaic term now compared to what what we are as facilities behavioral correction institution it's still a a number one search term it is it's still what parents are putting out and it doesn't always lead them to programs like mine that that is smart enough to tag as a boot camp where we think boot camps are a nightmare and boot camps are not the way to go and there's a very very small part of the population in recovery that Actually, that would really work well for, and I have certainly worked with those kids, but that's a 1%, not a... Certainly. So what are some terms we're actually going to tell parents? Here, go Google. So things you want to include in your search are things like prevention, because as you start to access that information, some of those 1-800 numbers are going to be, frankly, very wise and perhaps unscrupulous businesses that tap into parents' fear, and they're going to use terms that are similar to hotlines and helplines, but prevention will clear a lot of that out. Let's let's talk about that for a second, because that is a, there's been a lot of uh, uh, legal changes. John Oliver did a big Mm -hmm. episode on his show um, about programs that were literally sales-driven helplines mm-hmm. to, to try to put people in beds. Yeah. Now, terms like prevention will then give you those, those top couple. And so when you're looking at Google, you want to really pay attention and look at the information you're seeing before you click the link. If you see the words ad right below the number or the name, it's a paid advertisement. It's probably not an organization that's local to you. It's probably a national organization that's one of these call center type of 
of generating information. And so those aren't always the most ethical places to start. You want to look for those terms like prevention. You want to watch out for the ads and go down to the first couple of searches and then look at the first five. And do you, as a parent, recognize any of the names of those organizations in your community as legitimate businesses that you've seen? Chances are you will. You'll see things like the Denver Children's Helpline. You'll see things right. like Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. You'll see terms that are, are unique but familiar. And I'm not going to say household names. You know, we're not talking about Scott Tissue or Brownie Paper <laughs> Towels. But you're going to see things that are familiar to you because chances are you've seen you know, uh, public service announcements, or if you listen to, like I do, uh, Colorado NPR, you're going to hear these right. advertisements on those, and you're going to recognize the names. You're going to hear things like University Health. Well, it, Hazelden right. Betty Ford. Hazelden Betty Ford, Children's Hospital. Children's right. Hospital. You're going to see those names, and you're going to see them as recognizable. And those are more, and, and again, we're trying to aim you at trusted sources in your right. community. Right. So prevention will get you there much closer. You know, other terms that you really want to look for are, you know, beyond healthcare terms. So you want to be mindful not to necessarily type in if, you know, if your your child was given a diagnosis to go, oh, yeah. where's the bipolar help group? That's not really going to get you there. Because, again, advertisers market in on those keyword terms, you know, in, in their digital marketing. You want to look at who is the organization. So click on the website. Before you call the number, spend a few minutes. Click on the About page. Click on the team page. Look at the staff. Look at the staff. Look yeah, at the staff yeah. because it'll tell you a lot. Read some of those things. Before you pick up the phone, try and put a face to a name, right? Because oftentimes, especially now, behavioral health providers across the disciplines, you know, from addiction treatment to, to mental health, uh, you know, to even early intervention programs, are all publishing who's the staff, right? And so it's much better to see, you know, Jonathan DiCarlo and then pick up the phone and go, yeah, you know, thank you for calling C4 Consulting. This is Jonathan. How can I help you? Is this Jonathan DiCarlo? Yes, it is. <laughs> Are you a certified addictions counselor level three in the state of Colorado? Yes, I am. How can I help you? I, I tell you, like, look, there is nothing untrue about what you were saying. When part of part of the reason for my podcast, part of the reason that every parent weekend that we teach for our parents at the facility, I also live stream for free to any parent Such in, a wonderful in the world because a, I want every parent to have this information. If I can help a family avoid having to send their kid to treatment, I'm in. But C, if they need help, they know my face, they know my name, they know my philosophy, they know that my goal is to help. And if they call, they, they can understand that this is the facility that I built that, and that, and that, that face with the name, that face, it has to be personable. And if you're calling a call center for help, while they might give you some good advice, they're ultimately trying to get you into a program. So one of the first signs, you know, you might've contacted a call center is really looking at when they start asking you about your health insurance right up front, right up front, right? When within the first three or four questions, if they start asking those kinds of questions, they're trying to qualify you as an admission for their program right. based on financials, based on your resources, not based on what your son or daughter needs or what your family or community needs. Right. Right. So it's a, it's a really simple way to think about how to eliminate what we would call the bad actors. Right. Okay. So now let's, let's talk about county and state programs because the fear is that these are underfunded, they're understaffed, they're undertrained, they're underdeveloped, they're archaic tackle and drag lockdown facilities. And I'm on a board 
in Colorado of Kafka with these people. These people are in this industry for the exact same reason you and I are, and that's to save children and to save lives. Yes, there is some funding issues. That's what my board does is go to the legislative branch and say, you need more money to coming here. Colorado follows Tabor law. Regardless of what right. the politicians decide, the voters got to vote the, right. the, 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 the taxes. And if they get an increase of tax, you know, it's same for teachers in Colorado, right? Exactly. Everybody thinks teachers should make more money until election day. Well, again, the disbursement of where our tax dollars go is always, you know, an issue. And so there are two things with that. Yeah. So, you know, County and state providers have the same licensure requirements as private institutions that I do, do yep. uh, as folks that are uh, accepting insurance. Yep. And all, this, all the requirements are the same for all providers. The people who tend to work in those organizations aren't in it for the money. No. Because the money isn't always there. To, <laughs> it's like saying know, teachers are in it for the money. <laughs> the, the truth is, and it's still true, most frontline counselors uh, who do, say, addiction recovery work can make equally, if not more, managing a shoe store than they can actually being a, a counselor yes. like when it comes to, to finances right, uh, and funding. So it's not a matter of, of being underfunded. They're highly trained, highly compassionate people who have a tremendous amount of skill and resources available to them. But they're also the advocates within the larger systems in the communities. They know the other resources as to where some private organizations aren't necessarily connected to those resources, right? Fire Mountain's a completely different example uh, because of the mission-driven way uh, that you deliver your care, right? You're about that organization from my experience and perspective is really about the entire community. I have, I have 30 other facilities links on my website to say, if here's the places, this is, we're not saying that these are recommendations, but you need Here to check with multiple places, not just Fire Mountain. Right, so county and state resources are gonna understand all the systems that are available and how to navigate them and who are the right people to call because it can be intimidating when you first dial up and you don't know what you're asking for to call those resources, right? And so in, in, in our region in particular, uh, there's been a, a great amount of effort to expand the amount of folks that are connected to county and state systems, right? right? There's been a, a call in behavioral health by the state of Colorado to be more inclusive, to have people who are in private practice as therapists, to be able to accept public funding to reimburse for care, even for individual counseling. So where a lot of folks may have, say, Colorado Access or some brand of that type of health plan, you know, previously some of those providers may not have been in network, as right. they say, and right. available. That's changed dramatically it because is. the state saw the need. They changed some of the reimbursements, which was an incentive for the providers who, who run you know their, their businesses uh, based on a, on a certain fee structure to be able to serve more people. So those county and state resources are actually incredibly valuable starting points and oftentimes they're connected to all the systems that are in your community. They're connected to the schools, they're connected to yes. the, the healthcare providers, they're connected to the hospital systems, they're connected to the, you know, the family medicine practices that treat you know, everyone uh, in the family all the way through. Do you have to give up custody of your child to the state for your kid to be in a state-run program? No, you do that, not. I mean, that is that is the thing that parents fear that keeps them away from those programs, that they not have to all. give up custody. No, the only, the only time that comes in is when there's really an issue that isn't about a behavioral issue, right? It really is a family court matter. 
Right. right. And that's a determination that's not made lightly and it's not a simple process. It's not made by the facility you're asking no, for help. Not at all. That's that's a legal process. So when you're asking for help from a state or county funded or county run organization, their job ultimately is to try and limit the amount of people who receive, you know, those type of resources. Right. Right. And it's about public health and wellness. And that's what they're there for. Jonathan, let's talk about your facility now, because it's it's important that, you know, what what you're doing in Colorado is also talked about because your work has been everywhere. But you also have a center. So my wife and I run a, a organization called Recovery 360. Uh, we provide individual family uh, and couples counseling as well as what's called psychosocial rehabilitation. So we like to call that Recovery Sherpa. Right. People compare it to recovery <laughs> coaching, but it's more than coaching. Uh, and so we use the term recovery Sherpa. Uh, and, and the service we provide is all on an outpatient basis. It's one to one, you know, with individuals. It's couples work with parents. It's helping parents, you know, who may have a, a child in Fire Mountain as the resource for the parents for their own needs and their own recovery process and their own health and wellness, as well as coordinating with the providers. Uh, such as Fire Mountain, who are, who are providing the service directly to a, a son or daughter in a family system. So while a kid's with me, parents can be with you. We're working together. Exactly. Our therapists are talking to you guys. Exactly. And we're looking at what everyone needs and attending to everyone's needs differently. How long is how long is an outpatient program, or do you leave that open to an individual? It's, it's really an individual basis. You know, it's really what does someone need. Sometimes it's just a consultation. Sometimes it's just picking up the phone and saying, I don't know if you guys are the right fit. And, you know, if we're not, we're going to say, well, based on what you've shared with us, here are the three people to call. We always give at least three referrals, yeah, if not same. more, and really try and understand that. That's the benchmark of, of good ethical practice and care uh, in our industry. And for us, it really varies. It, it depends on what someone needs and what, you know, what their ultimate goal is, not just health and wellness uh, in that big sense, right? Not just, I want to get through this crisis, but right. what's, what do you really need to do that? And it's really an individual process. What's, a, what's an amazing thing about what you guys are doing is that if it's, and I love the term, the 360, because that's all encompassing. And when you're in recovery, and there's not an episode that we don't talk about the whole family needs to be in recovery, not just the identified patient, whole families in recovery, but any gap can, can cause the relapse, not just the kid deciding they're going to use again because they're at a party and being pressured by peers. If that does take place, the system is still faulty and there's some recovery that needs to take place. And it could be an apparent or a family member that doesn't even live in the house. It's a, it, this is a potent concept. Right. We talk about it takes a village to yeah. make change. Right. And, and our fundamental philosophy is that we really work with the entire family system, even if we're just focused on one part of it. Right. Right. We're trying to attend to the best that we can to inform the whole process, because if one person changes, that's good. If everyone changes, the likelihood that the safety of the foundation is really where health and wellness get to stay and get to grow. Give give all your contact information. Do you got the five social medias? Like what what? How do people find no, you guys? No, so with Recovery Three Hundred and Sixty, if you uh, it's www.recovery dash three six zero dot com, uh, and we're uh, probably uh, not the best at marketing our own <laughs> business. Uh, sincerely, because it's the relationships that we have uh, with community organizations and providers. So, you know, really, it's us really getting to know you as an individual, you as a parent, you as a family member, 
you as a provider, and then everybody has our number. Well, the truth is, Jonathan, is that people know you, and and people, so many people have been around you, and the 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 large scale work that you've been doing all these years. So, you you've got an incredible reputation. Well, I appreciate that very much, and it's really you know I look at the work that I get to do with everyone, whether it's organizations and consulting, whether it's with C four Recovery. Right. Foundation, C4 Events and Education, C4 Consulting, you know, C4 International, all of it really is a privilege to be of service. Well, And uh, all of our emails close, and it's not just a cultural catch-on. <laughs> we look forward to being of service and support. Everybody in the organization and the consulting division closes their email with that because we really mean it. Well, and I, I can say as close as we are living, you know, practically neighbors for Colorado standards, I heard about you over tacos in Tijuana. You know, and because because West, someone we both know, yeah. was just like, don't you know Jonathan DiCarlo? And I was like, Duh. and by the time I was done, you were my first call. Jonathan DiCarlo, Recovery 360. Again, thank you for doing this. Thank you for this work. You're welcome. And I put the plug in for the C4 events and education team uh, for bringing on the five conferences that we have currently and the work that C4 Recovery Foundation does throughout the world. Nice. Thank you, Jonathan. You're welcome, Aaron. Thank you. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back, coming to you from the 32nd Annual CCSAD. That's the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. Thank you to C4 Events for having me here. I also want to thank Dylan at Deepin Productions. Dylan does my sound engineering. He also does the music for Beyond Risk and Back. So if you need to get in touch with Dylan, go to deepinproductions at gmail.com. That's D-E-E-P-E-N productions at gmail.com. If you've seen anything about Beyond Risk and Back on social media, you can thank Your Cause Consulting. To get in touch with Your Cause Consulting to handle your marketing needs, go to info at yourcauseconsulting.com and send them an email. Thanks so much for listening, parents. Remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. This has been Aaron Huey, and I will talk to you soon.